Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV, and we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's jo- let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. Uh, Welcome. Today, if you're listening live, join us in the chat room. That would be fantastic. My guest today is producer, director, writer, uh, actor, uh, Lenore Andriel. She's been on lots of TV and and lots of movies, but she's also produced, written, and starred in her own movie, Yellow Rock. We've discussed that before. She's been on the show before uh, with Steve Doucette and others, who uh, Nick Vallelonga, who directed the movie. Uh, and again, others. But uh, as she's back today, we're going to follow up with what's been going on with Yellow Rock since its release and what else she's got in the mix. So stay tuned. Uh, share this live now as you're listening. Tweet about it. Uh, Facebook it. Put it on your so- favorite social media means uh, so that others know to join us live. And if you're listening to this archive, that's fine, too, because all of these shows are recorded live and then archived at rexsykes.com. I'm your host, Rex Sykes, and that's the URL is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. Hundreds of hours, over 400 hours of professional filmmakers sharing their expertise and their know-how with you to advance your career and help you get your projects made. So uh, be sure to uh, one join us live when you can or listen to the archived shows at rexsykes.com. They're also available at Blog Talk Radio and they're also available as free podcasts at the iTunes store, Rex Sykes Movie Beat, the show. All right, so uh, a couple of things before we get to uh, Lenore, and that is that um, we've had some shows uh, that have been postponed. In fact, Lenore's show is postponed until today. Normally the shows are on Thursdays in the a.m., uh, but we've had uh, – uh, some guests who have overscheduled and, and uh, we're not available at the last moment, uh, things like that. But typically the show airs every Thursday live, 8 p.m. I'm sorry, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Central time, 11 p.m. 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, and whatever else it is around the world. Uh, but you can catch it at your convenience whenever you listen to the recorded show. Uh, apart from that. Uh, I've got uh, uh, many more shows and many more guests coming up in the near future I want to tell you about. But I also want to tell you about Michael Barnard. He has an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, Please um, check that out and follow the Indiegogo campaign. Uh, It's called um, A uh, Father and a Son. You'll find it on Facebook. I'll post a link uh, in the chat room. And also Full Circle is uh, another uh, film project with an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, If you're following me on Twitter, uh, at Rex Sykes Movie BT. If you're following me at Twitter, you'll see these things for both uh, Michael Barnard's and for uh, uh, Full Circle, both noble campaigns that I hope you will take a moment and uh, and support. 
All right. So without any uh, further ado, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Lenore. Since it's been a while that she's been on, I want you to um, uh, to know about her and, and have your memories refreshed. She is a, a producer, uh, a writer, an actress. She starred in the Western film Yellow Rock, and uh, she returns to the show discussing producing and film and television. Um, Lenore grew up in the East Coast, moved to New York City to study with many award-winning teachers. Her theater work was instantly successful with lead roles from Off-Broadway to Lincoln Center. Her first starring film role was opposite Bo Svensson in Blood Brothers, which led her to continue to being cast as a strong female lead. She then played leads in award-winning independent films both in the U.S. and abroad, including Childhood, opposite Tara Fitzgerald, uh, which filmed throughout Eastern Europe, Midnight Witness that gave her a uh, with Maxwell uh, Caulfield and, and well, they put her with Maxwell Caulfield and Desperate Measures. Measures. Additionally, she starred opposite Paul Rudd, Dennis Haber, um, Paul Johansson, and Miguel Ferrer, to name a few in both film and television. And she's done many more. She's also uh, a voice on World of Warcraft, and uh, you're going to want to uh, be sure to uh, check into her uh, work there. So. Uh, without any further hesitation, I will bring on Lenore. Good morning, Lenore. How are you? I'm great, Rex. How are you? It's great to be on again. It's great to have you on again and uh, <laughs> and to catch up with you on the air. Um, you know, Miguel Ferrer is one of my oldest friends. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that to you. Um, really? Yeah, the whole family, the Ferrer family, are all friends of mine and uh, have been for decades and... Uh, it's a, I've never worked with Miguel. I've played with Miguel. When I say play, he's also a drummer, so I haven't played music with him. But I've, played, played, I've, I've, I've lived life with Miguel Ferrer, but I've never worked with Miguel, and it would be, it would be a wonderful opportunity to do that. Um, I actually found him to be a really sweet guy and a lot of fun to work with. It was uh, actually a, um, a miniseries that I had done, and um, uh, it was really late at night, and it was cold, and we just, he had such a great attitude. He just made the best out of every possible moment of that situation, and, and it was great. He's, he's a really lovely guy. Oh, that's so cool to hear. And yes, he is, indeed, um, as is the rest of his family. And, um, you know, God bless uh, Jose and Rosie, um, wherever they are these days. Um, yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been very cool. Well, that's that's cool. So let's catch up. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, and find out what's been going on since um, since since Yellow Rock opened, and uh, and maybe you can take us back to um, you know what uh, what you did, you know, and along with the festivals, and 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 then what happened after that. I'm trying to. I'm having some a little bit of technical difficulties here, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried, tried to feel those while. Uh, well, you know, actually, on. that's that's a good place for us to start. Since you're having technical difficulties, um, we should probably talk about some of the technical difficulties of shooting Yellow Rock uh, at the Values A Motion Picture Ranch because I think that doing a western that genre um, itself. We had a lot of te technical difficulties. It's not the easiest genre to shoot, and um, it was very challenging for us. So for those who had not listened in prior to this, um, you know, one of the things that I know you and I have, have spoken about in the past was how it was so miraculous to make that movie in such a short space of time with so many aspects and 
hundreds of cast and crew and horses and, and all of those things in 110 and 120 degree weather. Um, it was it was very challenging. I, I have to tell you, Rex. And and for me, I mean, as you had said earlier, um, I'm an actress who produced, not a producer who acts. So my background has has been, for the most part, um, has been doing female leads and in independent pictures. Here I was thrust into doing by choice, of course, by doing my own project, uh, producing my own project, Yellow Rock. But I'd never produced a film before. And when I came, when we started this process, I had had another producer on board, and my intention was to bring on a third because I knew doing the female lead I would switch hats and move in front of the camera. Well, we lost that person to another production, and uh, I didn't get a chance to pull in a third person until I pulled in Nick Vallelonga, who eventually directed it. So I was pretty much doing this by myself. Um, and that was really like diving into the deep end of the pool and not knowing how to swim. So one of the things that actually Nick taught me, and I'd like to pass this on to other filmmakers and producers, he said to me, you can never have enough people. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. I mean, you just really cannot. And no matter how prepared you think you are, Everything always happens that you never expected to have happen, and you cannot have enough manpower to help you to get through and navigate those waters. I mean, we were very lucky uh, to have Daniel Valuze, who also owns Valuze Motion Picture Ranch. He came on as an EP. I mean, this poor guy got thrust into being the on-set producer because Nick took over as director. I became the female lead. Uh, the, uh, another, the other, we had lost the other producer. My other partners, Steve Doucette and Anthony Lawrence, were executive producers. They had never produced a film before, so it was it was tough navigating all of this. This was a lot of um, a uh, a big production, so it was it it was a really mammoth job for an independent film, and you really need to have. Um, I'm so sorry. I don't. I, I'm. I hope you're not hearing those beeps coming in. I don't know how to disable that. Um, and you really do need tons of people helping you. You really. I cannot stress that enough. Um, th- that is excellent advice. I always tell people when asked or when I'm consulting um, very similar information because I I, I I've done it um, and you've yep. done it and it can be done. You can produce and you can star and you can you know, direct your your own project. I just never recommend it. It's just when when Nick and you say you can never have enough people, then that includes you, you know. I mean, <laughs> you yeah. need to have your producers and your director, you know, and so that you can concentrate on what you have to concentrate. And there's, I, I, I find there's nothing I, – I, it's like trying to juggle 16 balls. I mean, you might be able to juggle <laughs> three balls, but, but yeah. there's a point, you know what I mean? There's a point at which your your concentration gets split because you're concerned about the wardrobe or something that, or the craft service isn't being delivered on time and you've got to step in front of the camera. And Absolutely. It requ- and it does require that you have to be able to completely separate yourself from what's going on behind the camera so that you can focus on what's going on on camera. And some people, like you, you know, can do that exceptionally well. But for most of us, <laughs> we're just not that good at it, and something's going to suffer. You know, something's going to suffer. So, um, 
So kudos to you and kudos to Nick. And, Thank and, you. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you probably could have used another couple hundred people, I mean, you know, in another <laughs> 20, 25 or 30 days. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, so, I did uh, have some wonderful women um, surrounding me as well. And, and I want to stress, the reason why I say that is because okay. I think it's important, whatever, whatever hat you're wearing, and, and if you're a hyphenate like myself and wearing multiple hats, having wonderful people that surround you um, on an emotional level as well. Like I had Elaine Lockley-Smith and Amy Jennings, um, who I had, they were also actors in the film, and they're wonderful best friends of mine. But they were also associate producers on this, and I would be in in the trailer getting ready, and people are running into my trailer telling me, "Oh, somebody just got kicked in the ribs." You know, Daniel Valley's they just got kicked in the ribs. We think that his ribs are broken by one of the horses, <laughs> and, and I've got to go on on camera in five minutes. And you know, these women were amazing, not only in their roles, but as an emotional support for me, where um, to try to keep me focused. And you know, Elaine would say, "Okay." Okay, just breathe right now. It's gonna, it's all gonna be okay. Let me find out what's going on. <laughs> I'm freaking out. No, not Daniel. And so it is important to to have people who you love and trust implicitly, and know how to handle you to keep you on track emotionally as well. Well, you know, not I mean, just people I that like being surrounded to... by women too. Women are amazing. No, they truly are. They truly are. I mean, you know, there's there's a certain energy in an old boys club versus when you have women. Um, you, you can go back to all the archetypes and stereotypes, but there's a uh, nurturing quality. Uh, not that all women are that way or that all men are that way, but, but there is something to be said for having that support. And especially if, if, if you're a woman producer and actor and the writer yes. and you're surrounded by all sorts of guys, you know, it makes sense to kind of balance that energy with, with the women who are smart and savvy and, and up to the job, but also who can support and nurture and take care of you. For someone to tell you to breathe is more probably more woman-like than a man. A man would just say, get over it. You know, this is what has to be done. Here's how we fix it. You know, right. and, and, try and, blast, and try and blast through it, you know, like we, like we are when we never ask for directions. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think that's a valid point. And I think all emerging filmmakers stand to benefit from what you're sharing from from the first words you said about you can never have enough people to you know surround yourself with people that that you know are quality people and that and that that, that can help nurture you through the process yes absolutely and you're you're right about that energy and especially on a western there is a a distinct energy difference oh, God, yeah. um you know uh, totally and and having because everybody does get literally back into sucked into that period of time, right. so all of a sudden the, the guys are you know much more macho walking around with their guns strapped around them, even though of course you know they're, they're pop guns and the whole thing, right. you know. But I mean I've been on tons of movies and I've never heard so much cursing and and dirty jokes in my life, you know. <laughs> After a while you're like oh my god, I, you know, yeah. I, because you're a woman and it's the energy is just different and it's not like they can't do that and it's not like some of it isn't funny, but it, it does really pull everybody back into that period and and yeah. you can feel that shift. You really can. I mean it's pretty amazing and we would actually 
actually do a little prayer circle in my trailer. That and we needed prayers on this movie. Believe me, everything was so many things were going wrong. Um, but yes, that balance of energy. I think probably in any film, you do need to have that balance of energy because the film actually has a life and becomes like a human being. You know what I'm saying about that, Rex? Sure. You know when you're oh, shooting, yeah. it actually becomes like a human being. That energy. And so you do need to have um, the, that flow, that energy flow, um, be one where you have a, a safe space that you can actually pull back into, um, especially when you've got this much sort of, you know, there's a lot of violence in, in Western films, you know, so you've got to bring it back down again. Well, it, it, and it makes sense. I mean, you are working with actors who are portraying characters living in another time, and many or most of us grew up either playing pirates or cowboys and Indians or yeah. uh, knights in armor, you know, and in and, and fighting dragons or whatever, uh, doctors and nurses, without the obvious innuendo. Um, <laughs> you know, we've, we've grown up portraying it. So to, to, for, you want those people to immerse and, and, and you yeah. know, have that kind of energy. But at the same time, you know, you're still in the 21st century making a film and, and I suppose, you know, a lot of people are like chewing tobacco and spitting, which, you know, you wouldn't see probably on a New York musical set. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless they plenty, plenty of street spittoons, right? Exactly. I mean, there was one moment where I was with, um, it was a night shoot, and we had just gotten done shooting the wolves uh, uh, scene, which is, that was a whole fun, that was amazing. Um, and, that, and that's something we can talk about later. But I was, we, we were now going to be doing a scene with Michael Bean and James Russo and the rest of the posse. Um, where they're supposed to be drinking and belligerent and they, they could care less about my character and the dangers that my character is foreseeing by some of the actions that we've already done at that point in, in the storyline. And they were, the, the guys, they really were totally in character and hooting and hollering and even poor Nick was pulling his hair out going, oh my God, I've got to get these guys calmed down. And I leaned over to Michael Spears and, and uh, we were watching the scene happening and I leaned over and I said to he and, and Eddie, I said, well, not much has changed in 200 years, has it? And they both <laughs> laughed because they were like, nope, not much has changed. You know, everybody... And and really, in in fact, it actually hasn't. On some ways, we've in some ways we've evolved as as humans here in this country, and and as Americans, in some ways we haven't. You know, and I think it is easy to try to you know you just kind of slide back into that, don't you? You know. I think I think that's very very accurate. Absolutely. Let me take a second though before we continue, and I, I didn't mean to segue that strongly, but I want to I want you to give out the website for Yellow Rock. Um, well, or, yeah. or I can. I mean, it's yellowrockmovie.com, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just like it sounds, yellowrockmovie.com, so that people uh, can go and visit and and um, and find out, you know, about the movie as we discuss it or or later. Uh, and where can they see it or get it or purchase it or? Okay, um, it, you can always get the movie in terms of DVD. You can get it on any of the dot coms: Amazon dot com, Blockbuster dot com, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, iTunes. You can get it on Netflix, and you can it, it can be gotten both in DVD and also in streaming wherever streaming in m- most of these places where streaming is available, like iTunes and Netflix. Um, it had been on VOD, uh, as you know, video on demand. It's it's usually for, 
about a month that it's it's on um, on on video on demand on everyone's different cable networks or carriers. Um, but it will be also coming back. Uh, probably, I would say it will probably be this year for sure, and I would imagine it would be on maybe stars. We'll, we'll be finding out from our distributors uh, there as well. But yes, you can get it on DVD and on streaming, and you can also. We also have a team that does post up on Facebook and on Twitter, so that's also yellowrockmovie.com. So you can get updates there as well. Very very cool. I just wanted to make sure that we. Uh, announced it as as uh, we went. So I mean, there were a lot of production problems, and I know that you know we spoke with both Michael and Eddie Spears. We spoke with yeah. Daniel Valuse and Peter Shireko and um, and Katie. Uh, Katie, our costume designer, Katie Elhoffer, uh-huh. uh-huh, and Randy and, Miller, uh, and, our composer, and Randy Miller, and we spoke with Nick Vellilanga, and we spoke with Steve Doucette. So so we we've spoken with quite a a, a, a small portion of of your production, and uh, as I've said before. Um, I, it's been a really productive, useful conversation with each to to you know illuminate different aspects of filmmaking. And I encourage everyone to go back and listen to those as well. And, and now to this update, to go to the archives at RexSites.com and, and listen to those as well as all the other fine shows. But but because we're able to discuss it from you know different angles with different people in different positions, it it, it really enriches I think the experience of learning how to make movies and and what you need to know and and listening to professionals who are doing it and and uh, and and about the the joys and the hazards of, of being on a movie set. Well, you know, uh, that's true, and and I would like to say, and you said to me at one point that, you know, you've sort of visited this movie, Yellow Rock, globally, um, which was was not your norm, and that this has been an enjoyable process, both for for you and for us, so that this way you're able to discuss different aspects of um, really showing people who listen in what to expect and not expect and, and pitfalls, et cetera, in, in all these sort of different areas, whether it's composing or directing, acting, writing, uh, et cetera. And I think that that was, um, that's been a process that I want to thank you for, and, and we've really all enjoyed it. I w- when I was thrilled, I mean, with the opportunity to, to discuss this movie and to discuss with different people on the movie uh, arose, and, and uh, you, you made that all happen, um, you know, it, it – and I, I still, I'm still happy to talk to any of the other cast or crew members that sure. uh, can be made available to continue this discussion because, um, you know, there, are, you know, a lot of people who who have a lot of different job descriptions on site at movie set, and and that is the goal of Movie Beat is to discuss things with each of them, and if we can discuss it around one movie or two movies or three movies, you know, with specific examples, that's always going to be. You know, very, very uh, a useful conversation to have with people, and and, and where uh, listeners, you know, can definitely learn and, and glean great uh, information from. So, uh, no, I appreciate sure. making that uh, absolutely available. Um, so, uh, so I, I don't want to bypass the production side of it. I mean, there are other certainly wearing the hats. What, what, uh, you know, that you've described already. You know, between being a producer and being an actor on the on the set. Um, but, but. But that continues afterwards <laughs> into the post-production yeah. process. And, and what I'd like to do is maybe sidestep some of the production stuff now for post-production because a lot of people who have their films out there are going to be encountering, you know, they, they've finished something and now they don't know what, you know what else to do. So how difficult did you find it to, you know, finishing the movie in post, especially if you've never produced a, a film before and, and one at this scale? Um, one thing I should say is, is that, 
um, you know, this was a union acting movie. So there's different, Correct. you know, and those those are certainly different considerations for uh, filmmaker. I think everybody should should do union acting movies. I think everything should go SAG or after, regardless of what people think of SAG or after, because there are guidelines for how you treat actors and 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 things. Um, so I'm very pro. A very pro union, as also being a, um, a union member. <laughs> very <laughs> pro union. Me too. <laughs> but but it also also for those filmmakers out there who are you know are assembling teams and stuff like, there is a rigor that you have to apply that will that will accelerate if you can manage it. It will accelerate your your filmmaking skills because you'll have to learn how to do things in certain time frames, or there may be some consequences. And that and having that. Uh, while while nobody really wants anyone breathing down their necks or 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 anyone you know um, kind of managing your production and you'd like to do it in nice leisurely, um, learning to do it within a certain time frame, within certain hourly constraints, uh, and 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 to treat people exceptionally well because they're they're uh, being provided by the union to you is is an is a really valuable learning experience uh, for anyone who hasn't done it, and I encourage people to do it. Yeah. Enough said. Yes, no, I completely agree with you, and I will say that um, for my own experience with SAG, and, and, you know, I was very nervous about it because I know that, um, I mean, this is, it's very important (laughs) to follow what needs to be done, and there are a lot of details to that. However, I was just very honest with them, and I said, look, I'm an actor, this is my first go-around producing a film. I'm I'm hiring people, uh, um, tons of of actors on this, and some are Native American. There's different cultures that we've got involved in this. Please just help me out. And I thought they were wonderful. They really were. They really helped me a lot. And if I sides misstepped, they would get me back on track and say, no, actually what you got to do is you have to do it this way. Okay, I'm sorry. And they were totally cool. They were wonderful. So I do agree with you. That is very important, no matter what size budget you're doing. And that's good for people to know because I think I think they don't understand that the that union will work with you because they realize that if you've hired three SAG actors today, you might hire thirty tomorrow, and Correct. they would rather have you hiring thirty tomorrow than penalize you for the three that you hired today. Although they do, they were going to want to keep keep you on track. So, and you did. You had a large cast by comparison. Yes. So you know. So it wasn't like you had three people. You had a lot of people. <laughs> we had nine in the main cast alone. Yeah, yeah. Just in the main cast alone, you know, so uh, not including the tertiary cast and, of course, you know, right. the more of the day players and then extras. I mean, it was for an independent film. When we, put a, we put a lot of people to work. We really did, Rex. That's really cool. That is truly very cool. So I, I kind of um, circumvented that conversation. I mean, took it off of the uh, the post production. The post. Uh-huh. So now, so going into post production, um, uh, is is where we were at. So for you being yeah. the first time producer, what what were you, what were your challenges and and in in moving from production to post? And it must have been thrilling. You've now got a movie in the can. <laughs> you, you now you're now ready to go. And now now you begin the process of editing and scoring and colorizing, sure. you know. Yeah. Sure, yeah, it, it was. Um, I think 
for me, it, it was um, it was certainly like having a baby. Um, and, and then now you've got the baby, and, and how do you want to raise the baby? How do you want to set it on its course so that you're going to give it all the best possibilities for its survival? Um, and, and that's sort of, and that's probably because I'm a woman, I don't know, that's just what hit me when I went into post. That's how I felt emotionally about it. And we actually, none of us really knew what we had, um, because we shot it so fast. You know, you're in the heat, everybody's, you know, everybody's kind of like, oh my God, (laughs) what have we got? We don't even know you're delirious, you know, the long hours, the whole bit. And so we didn't really know what we had. And I remember my eureka moment when I was looking at footage at home on, on my computer. And this is what I love about shooting with any digital cameras, any HD cameras, because it affords you so much that you can do with it. Uh, that was a lifesaver for us on this film, Rex. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. I mean, I think probably most people are doing that now, but wow, that was, I would certainly say, get the best cameras for sure that you can in terms of, of HD cameras. And all of a sudden I was, I was looking at, at the raw footage and had no idea how much we actually did have. And my hat is off to Nick for that because he was, he really tried to do the best he could with getting as much, possi- as much on film as he possibly could. And the more that you have to work with, obviously, the more Play-Doh you have, the more you can create. And we were very worried that we didn't have enough film, believe it or not, to make the movie. I mean, even Michael Bean said to us, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have enough. And um, so that was sort of our first scary moment. And then when I saw that we did, I remember calling Steve and Daniel and Tony and Nick and everyone and saying, guys, I just found a whole bunch of stuff that, wow, it is gorgeous. It's wonderful. I think we're going to be totally fine. And we were. Now, that brought us into editing. And in editing, even with all of the extra, even with everything that we did see that we had, we still didn't even quite have enough coverage. So one of the great assets about having digital is, and I learned this from our editor, John Vasquez, I didn't know any of this, you can actually push in, if I remember correctly, I think it was like 200% into a frame, and actually take, let's say, uh, a medium shot of maybe three people and get a close-up all of a sudden of James Russo or Michael or Eddie Spears, all of a sudden now you've got a close-up that you can now put in there that you never shot. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was golden because, you know, we, we, as I said, we had shot this movie really fast. We, We had to do that. I mean, you only have so much of a budget. And now all of a sudden we were able to actually cut away from maybe that two shot or from the wide shot or whatever it might have been. All of a sudden now we were – that sort of tripled the amount of what our, our capabilities were in, term of, in terms of having enough to make the film. And that was really fortunate. Um, there was – there's so many things you can do in editing that I had never realized before. And John Vasquez was really terrific. Um, Nick had great ideas. Working with the editor, that's really, it has to all start there. It really does, because that's your story. You know, from, you, you don't have anything unless you have a great editor and you have enough material to work with in order to tell the story that you want to tell. Um, so that, to me, was a very critical learning, learning experience and turning point in all of this. 
um, once we knew that we had the right story and the right film, then it becomes all the further technical aspects and issues with coloring, sound, um, uh, any of the special effects that you want to do. So each one of those are completely different animal, Rex. You know, you know what I'm saying, uh-huh. right? You've sure. been there, done that. It's, I mean, this is like going from Pluto with sound, and then you're going to fly across our solar system, and you're going to go to Venus for color, and then fly, <laughs> fly over so here. True. You know, it's so cra- none of these are anything at all alike. Yet all of them have to be integrated and married together seamlessly. So you've got this giant puzzle, you know, all these little puzzle pieces in editing that come together to form this movie, but now you've got further puzzle pieces or further aspects and threads of your tapestry that have to be woven in where no one's going to notice. None of this I had experienced at all prior to this, and I would walk into each one of these, whether it was Blacklist Digital, and I would walk in and talk to Tims Johnson and Norbay and say, guys, this is my first rodeo. I have no idea what coloring is. Um, I I can figure it out, but I don't know the technicalities of it all. And they said, okay, well, let's discuss it and discuss what you think you want to do, and then we'll help walk you through. And, and you tell us, you just use your instincts, and then uh, we'll discuss it all, and don't worry about it. You, you know, you're safe with us. And each one of these different, um, all, all the different compartments and departments, they all did this with me, and they were wonderful. Monkeyland Audio, Peter Lago, and Ben, and Trip Rock, all these guys would... I mean, we'd all laugh about it and go, okay, let's dive in. Let's see what we can do. And I just, I just use my instincts for the story that I wanted to tell. Now, I think, Rex, and you and I have discussed this before, writing this helped all of those processes for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Because having sure. it, it was organic inside of me in terms of the story that I wanted to tell. So then that translated, even though it was technical as an art form, the color. Okay, I, I really want to have the feel of the heat and the, I want the look to have the feel of the heat and the, and the gold of the, uh, the gold of yellow rock and, and, you know, sort of the, the danger of that and, and, you know, almost where people could be sweating watching it. So, you know, if you come in with these, adjectives that are organic in you because you've written this in terms of the characters and the storyline, it actually helped that process. I know it, it sounds like a disconnect, but it actually wasn't for me. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, no, I, I think it makes absolute sense because you intimately know the story. You've lived it over and over in your head as you wrote it. You know what kind of movie you wanted to make. You, you understand it at a different level than cast members or even somebody who's coming on or somebody who's directing, uh, unless they've spent the same amount of time with it. You know, I mean, we can all get producers who, who do things, you know, but, but, you know, you, you wrote it, you, you, you know, you lived the story and then you produce the story and then also you star in the story. So, I mean, you're, you're managing a lot. And, uh, but, but I completely understand um, from that aspect how that would serve you in, yes. um, 
both in production and, and post-production, and then of course you're relying on the expertise of others around you to make that happen. Yes. And sometimes, I, and sometimes I bet they tell you, well, it can't happen that way, and then it's a trade-off, or it's no, it has to happen this way. I mean, you know, that's that whole negotiation thing that happens in the heat of every moment, an instant of making a movie. It, it, it really does. Production. You're absolutely right about that because there are even moments when you'll have your experts telling you that's impossible, we can't do that, and yet if it is so ingrained in you, um, somehow the artistic part will kick in and brain, brainstorm and find something else. And I'll give you a classic example of that very quickly. The beginning and end of the movie was supposed to be a battle scene where you're seeing the Black Paw tribe initially, and they're being half of them are being decimated. I mean, they're just being they're being the, the tribe is being attacked, and this is sort of their story and how it begins. And then it wraps around at the end and gives you some a conclusion of that. So we, we, I wanted to bookend it, and that's the way it was in the script. So I was sitting with John, and, and we never shot that. <laughs> we never were able to shoot it. It was just so big and so time-consuming, and money. we just we ran out of all of it. We're not able to do it. And so I'm sitting with John, and John's like, "Oh man, we we just don't have anything, Lenore. We don't we don't have it." And and we we couldn't figure out how to open and end this movie. And here the movie's been shot. And so. Um, you know, and Nick and I, we were all pulling our hair out. And one night, I was in there very late with John, and I said, "John, let, let's take a look at, at things that any any footage that we haven't used uh, before, and anything that has the native and anything that has the Native American actors in it, anything from the Black Paw tribe. I, I just want to see outtakes, anything." And he's like, "Okay, but you know, we've kind of really scrubbed through this." And he's going through, and all of a sudden, I see what was a test shot. It was just a test shot that Nick had done of all the of our main Native American cast on horseback way up on the Golden Mesa at at the ranch that Daniel had suggested, which is really beautiful at his ranch, you know, knee high golden grass and mountains in the background. And the guys are just they're just sitting on their horses. They're, it was just a test shot. They're sitting on their horses. It was um, MOS, and they're just sitting there and they're waiting for to be for, for Nick to call action. And I went, that's it, that's it, that's the shot, that's the opening and ending shot of the movie. And, and John was like, what? And I'm like, yes, because I, I can do the voiceover of the Native American actors over that, the, the actor over it, and bookend it. And that's a spectacular shot. And he said, oh my God, I think this is going to work, I think it's going to work. And it did. And so even if you don't have that experience, and even with working with experienced people, you're right. It was so ingrained inside of me that all of a sudden there it was, and it would be impossible for anybody else to have had that head. Do you know what I'm saying? That would have been impossible. Only the person that's, that's you know, giving birth to it, like myself and Steve, could, who, who co-wrote this, um, the storyline, only that could happen from, from the experience of having lived it, with it for so long before making it a film. Yeah, that is a, a truly uh, an exciting story. I, and I can imagine the heat and the pressure and the, <laughs> the, the uh, <laughs> yeah. difficulty at the time, but also that breakthrough moment is, is really good to have. Again, it goes back, though, to relying on others. I, 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 and I, I, I'm going to venture something here because mm -hmm. a lot of people 
think, you know, I'm I'm Orson Welles, you know, just like Orson did. I'm going to write and produce and direct and <laughs> shoot, and then I'll edit and I'll score and I'll do all these things. Frankly, you get a, a whole lot more credit and a whole lot more mileage if you don't do everything on your own movie. Yes. Because yeah. because they want to know that you can manage a team if you're a director or if you're a producer. They want to see all the departments be represented. They don't want you to do all this. Now I know when people are starting out, sometimes they have to. They don't have yes. they don't have skilled or talented friends, so they have to. You know, in a no budget or very very low budget. Friend. But but ultimately, uh, most filmmakers. Uh, if they don't want to get there yet, they, they, if they're successful, they will get to the point where they are managing a whole bunch of other people. Um, yes. So oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't do this again this way. I mean, that was, by, that was not by choice. That was by, there just wasn't enough money, you know, to have four producers come on, you know? Yeah. Sure. But at the same time, um, you did have those people, and if you had to do it all yourself, you may, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in other words, I, I may think I'm great. I may think I am the best thing that's ever hit the planet, but unless I have that outside eye, the, that outside ear, that outside person who's traveled the road prior to me, the, it's like why we have tour guides when we go certain places, because they know where not only all the cool things are, but they know what to avoid. And having those as, as allies on a production you know, means that the production be so much better than oh, yes. you know, if, it's, if it's the brainchild of one egomaniac. I mean, you know, that, you know, which oh yeah, you know, a vanity production. So uh, it, you know, that's very cool that uh, you had those people, even even with a crunched budget. You know, you were able yes. to 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 have experts assist you in the process, and I, I think that's exciting. Let me before we continue, and we and we are going to continue, but I'm going to have to take a break here very shortly. Let me say, there's somebody waiting on the phone. And I do not take call-ins, even though the Brawl Talk Radio thing says call-in and use this number. I've got to tell people, I, I don't accept the call-ins because uh, Lenore and I are in the middle of a conversation. But if you have questions, I always encourage people to ask them from the chat room. So you go to the chat room and ask your question. Or if you're a friend of the guest or, or even of mine and you want to uh, say hey, then please say hey in the chat room and I'll, and I'll pass that on. And I'll, and I'll ask questions from the chat room as well. Uh, let me see here. Let me take a short break, Lenore. Just, just sit right there. And sure. I'll take the break, and I'll inform people what's going on, and okay. then and then we will uh, we'll continue. I'm thoroughly enjoying this, and um, so you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. My guest today is Lenore Andriel, and her movie is Yellow Rock. You can find it at yellowrockmovie.com. That is the website, and you can get it wherever movies are sold: Amazon, Netflix. You name it, you know, and, and uh, earlier in the show, Lenore voiced those, and I'll, I'll, I'll have her say those again in just a moment. Um, but go ahead and, uh, and, um, and check that out. Now, as far as uh, upcoming guests, I'm, I'm going to mention at least one, if I can get my calendar here. Um, I'm going to mention one upcoming guest. Before I do that, or maybe two, but before I do that, let me tell you to go to Indiegogo and look up the movie Full Circle. It's F-U-L-L, and then the next word, Circle, C-I-R-C-L-E. Look it up. It's got a campaign going on right now. It's a, it's a, a noble movie, an admirable campaign. I also star in it, so if you want me to get paid, then you're going to have to support that movie. Uh, and it is a SAG, SAG project, so I'm very happy to say. Now, another really great guy and filmmaker is Michael R. Barnard. And he's got a movie called Everybody Says Goodbye, The Story of a Father and Son, a short film project. And he's uh, attempting to raise money, and he's moved from New York back to L.A., and he's in the process of raising money for Everybody Says Goodbye, 
And that's also on Indiegogo. So you're going to want to search that movie as well. And please do go and support. And if you cannot give a single dollar, please share it on your walls on Facebook or tweet about it or, or Instagram it or pin interested or what, whatever your favorite social media means are. And, uh, and help support these filmmakers. They're really good people, and, uh, and they deserve to get their projects made. All right, it, irrespective of me being in one of them. Uh, they, they're great people, and they truly are, and I'm proud to be in one of them. Um, but at any rate, uh, so uh, upcoming on the 24th is uh, Michael Beckner. We are in the process of the writer series. This will be episode four. We're discussing uh, screenplay writing and television writing nuts and bolts from, from idea to uh, sales to production. And uh, Michael is uh, a prolific television and film writer who's got a host of great credits, who's in the process of creating a, a new miniseries with a, a gaggle of stars called uh, Two Appomattox. And, uh, and so you're going to want to tune into that. There are three prior episodes. If you want to listen to them before the show, then do so before this Thursday, the 24th. On the 31st is uh, John Tregonis. John Tregonis is a is a guy who crowdfunds. He's written books about crowdfunding and consults and, and uh, talks about Indiegogo campaigns and uh, different things along those lines. It's He's written a book called Crowdfunding for Filmmaking. Uh, the Way to Successfully Film Campaign by John T. Tregona. So you're going to want to tune in if you uh, run campaigns, have run campaigns, have run unsuccessful campaigns, or even successful campaigns. Join us. And then after that, we got many more guests uh, each Thursday. Um, I may have, a, 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 by the way, I may have a show coming up real soon with the Full Circle uh, producer, writer, director um, as well. So uh, that I will let you know when that's coming up probably this Thursday I will make announcements. So stay tuned, and I uh, appreciate you tuning into Rex Ike's Movie Beat. And please do spread the, the, my shows with my guests, because uh, whenever, you, uh, whenever you listen live or archived, you can do that. That helps support my guests. It helps support me. It helps support the show, and it helps other people gain valuable access to this incredible information. All right, so I've talked long enough. I want to get back to Lenore. You've been very patient, Lenore. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> so let's see here. Where are we? Um, so we were we were talking about post production. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know we we sort of touched on on all of those uh, technical difficulties. The the um, working with, I, I would say you had asked me one what was probably the most the most difficult challenge that I had in post, and actually, I, I apologize, I, I got off on a tangent, I did not answer you fully. The most difficult I found, um, aside from each one individually um, diving in, was actually the final mix. Because in uh. the final mix, even though um, Sean Buck was our, our post-production supervisor, even though you know he tried to describe all this to me, and he said, Lenore, no one knows this film like you do, and 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 don't worry about it. You'll be you'll be fine. You've done it all up to this point. You know now you know what you're doing. It's going to be hard, but you'll be able to do it. Well, I had at that point I hadn't heard the the final mix of the score. Um, I hadn't heard the final mix of the sound effects and sound design, and 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 the ADR. So you're listening to everything all at the same time on that huge sound stage 
which is the which is the really a, a large cost when you're talking about post and and time is of the essence it is just flying right. by and you have to be listening to hundreds of sounds all at the same exact moment and telling the sound editor sound mixer rather what to pull down, what to pull up, pull those drums down, okay, bring the birds up, okay, he, I can't hear what he just said there. I mean, and you're, do, you're giving him direction on so many different levels, having, having her, you're listening to it for the first time, all of it. And it's crazy making. And, and um, okay, can you put that into the, the, right cha- the right back channel? And, I mean, it's an amazingly daunting task. And, sure. um it, that I found to be the most difficult, only because it's like it's like giving you a script and telling you to walk out on stage and perform in front of thousands of people, never never having seen your lines. But you're going to just do a cold read in front of thousands of people, and you got to get it right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, here's what I, you know what I think about that is that movies can suffer visually because we've all looked at blurry channels and snowy channels when we were growing up, or they didn't quite come in, or even in the old days of radio, we were listening to songs, you know, on the car. But they there was static your stuff when you had you know an analog tuner as opposed to digital tuning, so they weren't quite coming in, but you would suffer through them. But it's much harder to listen to something that's 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 not right than it is to see something that's not right. And um, and, and yes. so this is what I find this is what I find fascinating about about you know mix and sound design. Uh, for those who've not spent any time in a sound uh, design studio. Um, what I think is important about that is that, that the sound designers, the good ones, as opposed yeah. to, you know, I do it at home on my computer and I make movies. <laughs> so a problem with a lot of, a lot of low-budget movies is they sound like low-budget movies. And one of the reasons why they sound like they're low-budget movies is when they use catalog sounds, you know, which everybody has, and so everybody's familiar with them. You know, yes. they're, they're not using recorders who go out and actually record things and build their own libraries and have, you know, unique sound. But, and, and or who, you know, recorded on set. But, the, the sound designer will put things in that you and I would never think about because we, when we go through the world, we aren't aware of all the sounds that we hear. Yes. There's, or there's lawnmowers or there's dogs barking or there's birds chirping or there's automobiles or there's planes. Or there's, you know, we just don't think of all the stuff that's going on inside of a given moment when we're walking around outside. And yet a sound designer will go, well, we, we're going to put some of this in there and that in there and that because it will fill the sound even though you don't even actually consciously hear it. So they put all this stuff in, then they bring you in and go, okay, now decide what you want. <laughs> and you, you probably would be better off if you can afford it to listen, to go through it, listen to it once, just enjoy the movie, and then you know, think about it for a day or two and then come back and listen to it again than to, to go in for the first time and then try and decide what should be up and what should be down because it's just so much that you, what you were just describing, so much you have to pay attention to and, and try and do in real time, and that becomes... Uh, you know, a, a monumental task. Um, but, yeah. But you know, you, you do it well. Let me let me pause you here for just a second. I think you're going to like this. Let's see if it works. It may take longer than a second. What's going <laughs> on? Here we go. I think. What's going on here? How can that be? There you go. This is uh, thanks to Randy Miller. It's Randy Miller. It's the that's the opening with the Native Americans on horseback. 
the tribe. I'm only going to give you, you know, another 10 seconds to go. I thought we'd say it while you're on the air. Oh, I love it. And that's just the music. I mean, we've been tracking sound design, but we're just, we're just, we're just, just boring here. Oh, so there we are. Sadly, I can't fade it out. Well, I thought, I, I thought. Um, <laughs> so, so when it came to your post, and, and again, I'm maybe jumping ship here, and I don't want to, but uh, where did you invest the, the most time and money? Was it editing or coloring or sound or scoring or, you know, because um, obviously you would have to put the money where you felt it was, you know, best best utilized what where did you end up spending your money in post and and or did that surprise you at all you know or were you prepared for those places <laughs> i don't think you're ever prepared i yeah i understand what you're saying um yeah. I, you we know what that one together pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it, to me, you know, it was actually like a pendulum because initially uh, we thought, okay, you know, we're going to we're going to put the money into um, I- into the actual score because we knew that Randy Miller, as as an award winning A list composer, and having uh, a symphony. Uh, or, and this whole like orchestra in the studio. This was going to. This was not going to be inexpensive, and we wanted that sound, that soundtrack, to actually help to elevate the film, and it did. It it absolutely did. Um, however, then the pendulum swings back again, and <clears throat> you say, "Oh my goodness!" You know, the the color is still not right. It's still not right. We need to go back in and fix some more of that. And then, oh, you hear the sound, and oh, God, the mix isn't right. That final mix needs to be integrated more between the sound design and the composition so that one's not overpowering the other. And we, need to, we just need to go back in and, and do some fixes there. Um, where, like, I would have Nick come in and, and Randy Miller, and we would sit in on a final, final sound mix and, then, and, and get their suggestions. So it kind of, the pendulum would kind of swing. I would say that it was almost like a third, a third, and a third, um, uh, you know, between color, sound, and the composition, um, the musical score. The the editing, <clears throat> God bless John, I mean, because it's digital now, that helps to to keep the costs at a manageable level. But then, of course, it depends upon the editor that you use. But I would say that that is, it is the one thing that filmmakers actually can take a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a breath on because it because it's much faster than it used to be. It's not film. It's not. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not that whole. Oh God, that used to be a whole thing. I'm I'm sure for filmmakers. Um, so that winds up being an asset for us. Um, so I would say then the larger chunks really got. It was those three aspects. Um, but I. But you know what, Rex? Honestly, if Steve and I had to to do it all over again, I, we would both say the same thing. We are really thrilled with what with those decisions that we made at the time. I, I don't see that there was any other way around that. The film uh, looks wonderful. N- no one guesses what the budget was of this film. No right. one. You know right. that. Right. You know? Very true. true. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, here's the other thing for filmmakers, and, and I want to stress this to them. We made this film assuming 
okay, it's probably going to go to television and to DVD and to streaming, but let's give it every shot we can for a theatrical release because you just never know. And so that's what we did. We didn't approach it as making a movie for DVD. We approached it as a theatrical film. And that was still the right decision on this movie. Because when we got into all of those film festivals and you saw the film on a big screen, it totally, it filled that room the way it should. Everything that we, all those decisions we made and the money that was spent, we were really proud of it. And we did the right thing for the film. And so that was a decision that we made. Um, we wanted to give it that possibility. In the long run, with, dis- with the distributors, we all decided to not take it out theatrically, even on a limited release, because it's just, it just wasn't cost-effective, and you have to spend so much on, trying to, on advertising and et cetera and getting people in. But um, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we did it that way, because it works and lives so much better even on television and on DVD. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. All right. So I have um, uh, another surprise for you here. You do? So, yeah, would you go ahead and say hello there, sir? Hello there. <laughs> so good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. Oh, my you know, God, this is great. I was sitting in a production meeting this morning, and uh, we always have this tuned in so that it comes through the uh, officers and uh, – Whenever I hear my name mentioned in the same line as tall golden grass, I call I call right away. <laughs> well, I got to say, this is Daniel Valuze of Valuze Ranch and Melody. Uh, how do you say it? It's Melody Motion Picture. Melody Ranch Studios. Melody, Melody Ranch Studios. Studios. And, you've, and yeah. you've been a guest twice on my show as well uh, because of uh, Lenore. And I've had the privilege of, of uh, visiting and uh, and walking uh, one of your movie ranches, so we're we're thrilled to have you here and this and to and to be on with uh, Lenore. So, no, it's fantastic. You got a you got a great lady there. <laughs> yeah, I love you, man. <laughs> Daniel was my my lifesaver, <laughs> and, and you were you absolutely were in every sense of the word. And what, you know what's great, Rex, is that Daniel and I have become like brother and sister through this. I mean, we we were like we went through Vietnam, right, Daniel? Absolutely. I was able to add the words therapist and psychologist to my resume. (laughs) Indeed. I mean, with me crying in the teepee one day. Yes. (laughs) Right before we were about to shoot. Oh, my God. I mean, you have saved me on on every single level. And, you know, this is one of the great things, I think, Daniel and Rex, is when you do independent films, and it certainly happens on Studio Pictures. We've all had that happen as well. But you really do become like a family, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I think that's where where the good movies come out from is when you can get a, you know, a group together and they, they, they just uniquely fall in place and everybody just takes on their role and, and, you know, doesn't limit themselves to just what they're able to do but adds input along with everyone else's role. I think that's how you come together with, uh, you know, at the, in the end, a great film. You know, Daniel was – well, Daniel, I don't know how many people know our backstory very quickly, 
about how this came to be, where you wound up being, you know, our executive producer, one of our executive producers with Steve Descent, my other partner, and and the on-set producer. Um, So, you know, we've talked about it on on previous shows, but I don't know how many new listeners are here. Um, If you want to just kind of touch base really quickly to let, because I don't know, Rex, it's your show. No, no, go for it, go for it. This is all... This is all part of what the show is all about. We're discussing a professional project with professionals, so take it away and, uh, and, and, and have lots of fun doing so. Absolutely. Well, I, I met Stephen Lenore uh, on what we call a, you know, a scout, a typical scout, location scout where productions out viewing locations and areas to film, and uh, they happened to cross upon our ranch, and we met. And really there was just this instant connection there was a there was a connection like family. There was a sense of trust. Uh, I liked what they were talking about. I, they had, and um, you know, like like all independent films, there's not a massive budget, but there was funds there in place to to make what I thought would be a really good movie. And um, they ended up enjoying the, their 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 view of the ranches and decided that this might be a place that they could do the film. So we. We met on a couple of different occasions and talked and and uh, put together a uh, you know put together a deal and I decided that uh, I would uh, come in and put my 35 plus years of experience uh, um, on the oh on the books with them and um, it was a, it was a great time it was just one of those God sent moments where you know it's just uh, if you don't take advantage of it right then at that moment you might let something really great get away and that's it's just kind of how this movie felt. It was one of those movies where you just, every time you tried to say, well, you know, maybe I just thought I'll let them do this on their own and sit back. It was just something kept pulling me and gravitating me towards getting involved. And I am so thankful to God he did because, you know, we like we all were saying before, this was my first foray into doing this. And, I mean, Daniel would just, you were just, even with everything that took place, I mean, he was always the one that knew. He was a calm voice of reason. He would calm everybody down. He knew what to do next in terms of, okay, how do we, how do we handle this? How do we get out of this? And uh, so he certainly had that background. And, of course, knowing your ranch the way you did, you came up with wonderfully beautiful creative ideas like that amazing Mesa scene with the tribe up there. But then additionally, you know, he would come up, Rex, he would come up, Daniel would come up with amazing ideas on the spot, which you do in filmmaking. You know, sometimes you have to just make lemonade out of lemons. And we were standing there one day, and he, that opening scene with Bean riding down the mountain, Rex, you know that scene uh, in the beginning with the, right. with the opening title sequence? That was Daniel's idea on the spur of the moment. And tell him how you came up with that, Daniel. Well, what happened was is um, uh, our, our our wrangler Kevin. He was just a terrific rider. Oh yeah, um, incredible uh, horseman. And uh, I had noticed while we were shooting down into this box canyon, we were shooting a scene with with Michael and and Eddie at the time. And I looked up on the ridge, and I'm like, my goodness, look at this guy. Look at where he is on this horse. I didn't even know there was a way to get up to where he was. He was so high. And I'm like, look up there at uh, at uh, at Kevin. Everyone takes a look, and all of a sudden he just plunges off the hill and starts riding down the hill, full speed. I hadn't I hadn't seen anything like it probably since Snowy River when they went off the uh, 
the, the edge of the banks. And um, we're sitting there, and he gets to the bottom, and he rides over. I'm like, Kevin, how in the world did you get up? He's like, God, oh, I just went up that back ridge and this way and that way. Said, Can you do that again? Because I'd like to film you coming down that. And there was a lot of panic and people saying, no, it's too dangerous, it's this, it's that. So kid you not, Rex, what we did is we had a minister on the set who just happened yep. to be my brother Paul. And so Lenore would be more comfortable, theory would be more comfortable. I said, I'll, I'll have the minister come to the set and pray about it. Oh. <laughs> and so he, he came to the set, we gathered in a circle. We literally did this right on yeah. the set. We, we held hands for a brief moment and we, we prayed for his safety. And uh, he was completely comfortable in doing it. And so he headed up that hill, and uh, we just rolled all the cameras we had on it as he just blasted down the hill. And, and it, it ended up, And it ended up being incredible. Yes, yeah, so he was doubling Michael Bean. It was amazing. It's a, an amazing sequence to gallop down that mountain almost head first. Yeah. I mean, how tall is that? I mean, that must be like two or three stories high easily. Right, Daniel? Oh, it probably was probably a good fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred, two thousand feet. Yeah, it yeah. was wow, it was, it was yeah. the heck of the mountain. Of course, no, it, it, it truly awesome sequence. And and of course, when once we got done praying, I walked down the path crying. Yes. <laughs> I was like, the horse is going to break its leg, or, or Kevin's going to break his leg. And I came back, and Danny was just all smiles, you know, and Nick and Steve, they were all smiles, and Tony, yep, he did it. It's great. We got it. Let's move on. I was like, oh, thank you, God. Yeah, you should have probably uh, reached out to Kleenex as a sponsor for this film. <laughs> <laughs> I know it That's sounds funny. like That's I was very funny. That is funny, Daniel. And Daniel, Daniel's like hilarious. He's got the best sense of humor. So that humor really helped a lot too, because it's you got to be able to to take it seriously when it needs to be taken seriously, and you have to be able to laugh um, at yourselves and at each other and and have fun at the same time. Right. No. And and a very very good point. Also, you know, I think it's it's truly important that that safety come first. And you were dealing with experts who knew what they were doing, and you know yes. some of the rest of us may need to be convinced. But you were dealing with an expert. As somebody like yourselves who who, who ride, has ridden a lot in his life, you know, some, that I mean, I, I I can't say that I would ever do anything like that. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. like, but man, you found somebody who did, and the, and that that sequence is I mean, that that scene actually is really really beautifully done. Um, I want to I'm gonna I'm gonna stop just for a second because because somebody in the chat room says something I want you to hear. I'm going to I'm going to read it first and then I'm going to tell you who it is. So okay. I met Lenore at a screening of Yellow Rock in San Francisco and fell in love with her film. Beautifully done with amazing actors and a story with a message. We need more westerns like this. Lenore is wonderful. And then and then uh, that is Carol Flynn. <laughs> you know, and and because I would like us to talk about film festivals too. Um, Carol, no, no. I, I, that was the, the uh, American Indian Film Festival, and I love Carol, and I, I'm so thankful that she joined us here in the chat room. Um, we, Michael, Eddie, Michael and Eddie Spears, Nick Valalonga, myself, we all went up, to, we got into that film festival, and we went up and we did the screening and afterwards the Q&A, and as I was walking up, I mean, we were just deluged with people. It was wonderful. Everybody was, you know, doing the backslapping and congratulations. And there was, I call her Carol, Carol and a friend of hers, and she was just so emotionally 
completely taken by the film and she introduced herself and, and said congratulations and I just you know when you when you come across people that you just Im- immediately you're in sync and I just totally fell in love with her I said oh my god what a beautiful spirit and so and it kind of continued out into the lobby and etc long and short of it is she has actually become such an amazing we call her our yellow rock angel she's come to film festivals and supported us she supported us um uh, from san francisco and around the world and you know the journey of filmmaking is not just always about the film it it takes on its own life and then it adds so much to your own life and your own heart and spirit and she's one of those people that has affected me personally that way, and and so many of us love her. So the, she's been a real gift. Fantastic. I, I got I to gotta clarify a couple of things. One thing is, as I told everybody, I don't take call-ins, and I don't. Uh, Daniel texted me. Daniel's a friend and someone who's been on the show. And Daniel, I want you back on the show. You have got so like Lenore, and and but you've got so many incredible stories, and I've been been wanting to reach out for you to get you back sometime soon. So we'll continue our discussion. And, I'm, and this is not closing you out. I mean, stick stick around. But I'm just saying I, I do want to have you back on the show when you have time to be on the show. And, and Lenore, we're never going to be done with this because we've got a lot more to discuss, too. <laughs> so I'm going to tell listeners right now that you're going to come back sometime soon and we're going to continue because we've got about you know 10 or, 10 or 15 minutes left. Thirdly, um, somebody else in the chat room said, and I'll, again, I'll read you what you – and I should say, somebody did try and call in earlier, and, and we said hello to Lenore on the phone before the production, and we thank you for doing that. Um, you're a very popular woman, Lenore, or very popular <laughs> actor, writer, producer, Lenore. So, um, thank you. So, so, but this, this says, Dear sweet Lenore, you are phenomenal, and your instincts have led you to all the right places with great more things coming your way, and that is from Andrea Montoya. Oh, bless her heart. Bless her heart. Isn't that great? And she's also a beautiful person inside and out, just like Carol. And another, um, sh- another she's a wonderful uh, Native American actress herself. And again, met her through uh, film festivals and through my incredible relationships that have formed from all of the Native, with all of the Native American actors on Yellow Rock. I mean, Daniel will, will tell you too. I mean, that's become a whole second family to us. All the actors, Michael and Eddie Spears and Zon McLaren and Rick Mora, Joe Billingjerry, uh, Sam Bearpaw, <clears throat> because the film, um, ha- that's the heart. That's where the heart lives in Yellow Rock. It's about the fictitious Blackpaw tribe. And so um, that's the message of the film. The message of the film, I, I don't actually, I'd love for people to see. So, and, and, take from it their own message of it but it's it's loosely based on historical fact of native americans that tribes that lived in california in the 1800s so we got into a lot of the native american film festivals as well as western film festivals as well as festivals that had neither one of that they weren't heavy on either one of those genres they were just a, they were a film festival so that has created um, this wonderful journey going to the film festivals with um, with the actors, my co-stars, and and then meeting other Native Americans uh, from those film festivals who really embrace the film and its message, and it's just become this um, incredible, loving family. That that was the gift I got out of it personally. It really was. Um, I certainly learned 
so much and I'm still learning so much, but having um, having all of the Native American actors on it embrace it and become like family to me was incredible. Right? Wasn't it, Daniel? Hasn't that been an, an amazingly spiritually growing aspect? Absolutely. Something that I'll treasure. You know, there is a life after film, and, and this is one of the reasons why we, do, I think, do what we do. I mean, we, we if we're lucky enough, we, 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 we expand our family and our friends and our circles, and, and you know, we, we come together in this kind of weird artificial way uh, to, do, to make a project and or to kind of live and eat and sleep and do everything together for a short period of time, and it's very intense, but the walk away the takeaway from that is these is these people you connect with and the and the people that that you will carry in your hearts forever. Yes. Um, what a what a beautiful beautiful story that you have here to share. Uh, and by the way, now I am hijacking my own comment, my own statement, and that is, uh, I understand that Michael and Eddie will be coming back on the show at some time too. That that, that that's been a discussion. Yes. I haven't discussed that with them, but, but we'll have Michael and Eddie Spears back on. Yes, I talked to Michael about a week ago or two weeks ago, I think it was, and he said he would absolutely. Then they would absolutely love to come back on. So and definitely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're from so, and Nick, and, guys. and Nick Vallelonga, the director, is coming back at some point too, and we've discussed that yes. in the future. Uh, we've had a couple of times where we missed Nick, but but uh, he's going to come back and talk uh, more as well. So, wow, uh, you know, look at look at how all of this has started. Now, there is certainly a, a whole lot more. Um, let me see here. You know, we've got maybe nine or ten. Well, we've got eight or nine minutes at the outside here before I need to close out the show. So. Um, um, Did you want to talk I, about I the would, film festivals, or? Yeah, let's talk because there's a life after. Let's talk about what happened. We'll come back to post production and other things and everything else. But let's talk about about how the film progressed. From uh, you now have a completed film, and uh, you know, final, you know, it's all locked and it's now going out to festivals. Talk about that and what you had to do, and of course the money to submit the festivals and 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 the kind of success you've had through the festivals. Um, the Daniel was 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 one of the first people, and you did, Daniel. Daniel was like he had amazing vision on this film. He knew and said to us while we were filming. Remember this, Daniel? You would say oh, yeah. you would come up to me, and he would say, "This film is going to hit it out of the park. You're going to be in film festivals, Lenore. You're going to win one, if not many, uh, best actress awards, best screenplay. You're, this is going to be amazing." And, you know, at the time when you're going through pulling your hair out and not sure if you have enough film shot and all of these aspects, I mean, I would look at Daniel and go, like, really? You really think so? <laughs> and he, you were right, Daniel, on everything he called. He was right. And I, that – I don't even know how you knew that, Daniel. Maybe just tell me right now how you knew that because well, I didn't know that. We all know there's a difference between being in front of the camera and behind the camera, and I should know I'm behind the camera. And so, you know, I was I was visualizing this from a different point of view. Yeah. Uh, you were experiencing the frustrations and the and and the difficulties that go along with making a great film. But what I was envisioning is I was seeing you translate those frustrations to film, <laughs> and it was working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it was it was flowing. Your 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 emotions and um, all of the energy that you had, via positive or negative, whatever it may have been, it was translating to film. 
And, uh, you know, there's just those moments where the stars line up and you just say, man, this is it. And I, I do. I remember saying we would win multiple awards and, you know, I would get responses like, well, that that's sweet of you, hon, to say. That's kind. But I just knew it. And it worked out. It worked out. It, it really did, Rex. And, you know, I, I want to tell you, Daniel, for the record, you saying those things to me, and I knew he believed it, Rex. I knew he wasn't just he wasn't just trying to um, to make me feel better while we were on set. He really believed that, and I knew it. And Daniel, you should know that 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 inspired me so much to help me keep on going through the through all the rough terrain, um, literally and figuratively. That you you'll, you'll have no idea how much that helped to make my heart strong. So right. I thank you from the from for like- that. It's a great example for anyone that's listening that's an actress or an actor when you're, when you're struggling or having a tough time. Turn that struggle and that tough time towards the screen. Absolutely. You know, translate oh, that very energy. Good. Tra- translate that energy into a positive. Uh, you can use those emotions. Those emotions that day in the teepee where Lenore was having a difficult day and, and in tears, it just so happened to be a, a very dramatic scene. We are getting ready to shoot in just two minutes. And I said, stay in this mode. Stay right here, right now, in this moment, these feelings, and take it to the screen. And he was and, right. Uh, and she did. And she did. And <laughs> it, it was a phenomenal scene. And, and probably uh, a scene probably that uh, eventually uh, ended up in, in winning some of those best actors. Absolutely. Awards. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no question about it. No question. And so <clears throat> what wound up ha- I think – we had all hoped, you know, in, when we were in pre-production, that that could be an ultimate goal. And I think it's important for filmmakers to really map out where, the, where they want this film to go in terms of overall, an overall view. You know, do you want this to be in film festivals? If so, get an idea of, of sort of where you want to submit it, etc. And then once we, the film was done, <clears throat> I don't know, word started to kind of spread and the first film festival to call was the Red Nation Film Festival here in Los Angeles, run by uh, Janelle Romero. And she had heard about the film, and we weren't even done with Post yet. And she said she had heard all about it, and she asked me a lot of questions about it. She said, can you send me some, some of the things uh, about the film, some promotional materials? And I said, you know, Janelle, the film's not even done yet. And she said, well, <clears throat> get me what you can. And at this point, I'm telling you, just from from the message of the film, it sounds like it's perfect for us. And we did wind up actually getting into that film festival. That was the Los Angeles premiere. And it was incredible, wasn't it, Daniel, at the Simon Wiesenthal Museum? Oh, my God, we Um, walked in. Daniel, tell them how we walked in and we thought it was an art exhibit going on. uh, Yeah, (laughs) we did. We walked in and there were so many people and they were taking pictures. And it was just, it was amazing. And I I said, there must be some sort of maybe art exhibit or something (laughs) happening here tonight. And you see the red carpet laid out with the pictures of the show and our pictures. and, And I'm just like, wait a minute, this can't, you know. Where, you know, where's John Keonis? Is John Keonis going to come out any minute and say, what would you do? <laughs> it really was for us. And I think that once you get into one really good film festival like that, that that whole film festival circuit, they all hear about it, Rex. You know, I'm sure you've had films that have been in film festivals. Rex, have uh-huh. you? And, yeah. you know, it's sort of like every aspect of this business knows every aspect of, of within that circle. 
So that word started to spread, and for the most part, the majority of the film festivals that we got in, I actually got the call from the program directors. They had heard about it. They said, please submit it. You know, they, they can't tell you definitely that you're going to be in, but they're so excited about it. You get the feeling that, you know, if you send them what you, the package and the film, um, there's a really good shot that you'll get in. And, and it happened every time. And at each of most, almost every festival, every one that we went to, I think we almost, we won awards at it. And it was an inc- it's just incredible. And that momentum just kept going and going and took, it took us across the country, um, whether it was the St. Louis Film Festival or the Native American, uh, Indian, Native American Indian Film and Video Festival of the Southeast in South Carolina, up to San Francisco, American Indian, Red Nation here, Oklahoma, the Western Heritage Awards. That was huge. That was huge. Um, the, the year prior to our film uh, was True Grit had won, um, and the year after, Django Unchained won. This was a, a, uh, actually not a film festival, but an awards that the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum gives out. Um, and they have a huge, uh, uh, a big ceremony and banquet and the whole thing. And <clears throat> if your film is not worthy, if there's no film that's worthy, they, don't even, they won't even give out awards for, the, for a film that year. They just will just bypass that category. And, um, you know, so I was sharing my Best Actress Award with the fact that Annette Benning had won for Open Range, and we're sharing Best Picture with the fact that Kevin Costner had won for Dances with Wolves and Clint Eastwood with Unforgiven. This was an extremely prestigious award, and we won in, in of course, all categories, director Michael and Eddie Spears, myself, James Russo, Michael Bean, all won for Best Actor. Uh, of course, Daniel, myself, and Steve for producers and screenplay. It just, it, there's like a momentum that happens, don't you think, Daniel? Didn't we get like this momentum? And well, and I want to say real, real quickly, and Lenore and Rex, I'm sure you'll agree with this. A, a lot of uh, young filmmakers that, that that might be listening, there's a lot of people now that are making films and they're thinking about the dollar. They're thinking about what's the final dollar amount we can make with this film. How can we get the film out to do this, this, and that? Make a great big pile of money. When the reality of it is, is really focus on the prize and the prize to me are going out winning these festivals mm-hmm. if you if you if while you're making your movie you're not thinking about the end product as money but you're thinking about it as awards how many awards can we rack up how great a movie can we make can we can we sweep every category can we get the best actress can we get the best actor can we get the best screenplay when you do that you make a great movie and then everything else such as money and things follow that Yes. I think we put too much focus nowadays on on the dollar amount because we're being money when the prize really is the accomplishment and and the award. They they meant more to me than the money. Totally. And 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 remember when you do that, the money will follow. The money it's will the follow. It's the field of dreams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the field of dreams. Build it and they will come. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. And and that's the insight that Daniel had seen while we were making the film. Don't worry about it. This is going to be amazing. They will come. And well, he's right. Is, Have a passion for it. You, you, are, you are also so absolutely correct. You know, I mean, and, and it has been said, do what you love and the money will follow. And when you love it and you care for it and you nurture it and you make the best product that you have, 
you get back, you know. I mean, you get one of the analogies that I really like that I'm going to share right now, and then we're going to have to close the show. I'm going to give you each the final word, but I'm going to have to, is that, you know, if you plant one seed, like one apple seed, and you nurture it to, to, uh, to tree, that seed produces hundreds if not thousands of apples during its lifetime that all produce seeds. And so you literally can, you, by planting one seed, you could end up with a forest of apple trees. And in the same way, when you make a good quality product, the word gets out, the seed is planted, and, you know, the sky is the limit. Yes. You know, so, so you keep after it. So, you know, kudos to you, uh, Lenore, and, and to you, Daniel. You Thank know, you, you love the work you do, and you do the work you love, and that <laughs> is so awesome. And, and you've got good quality product in, both, in, in all cases. Daniel, your ranches and what you do is absolutely superb. I, I've enjoyed being there, and I thank you so much. And Lenore, um, you know, producing, acting, writing, and all the different things that you do. Um, both of these guys, by the way, listeners, are fabulous people, and that's why they do fabulous things. You know, it, it's the person thank first. You, it's who they are. It's truly is. It's who you guys are. And Steve and the, and the people that I've, I've met through you, it's who you are and the team that you've gathered. You know, birds of a feather flock together. Cool people are, 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 are coming together. It's who you are is, is a, as a result is a, what you have done and what you do and what you will continue to accomplish. And, boy, I, I sure am happy that I know both of you guys. Well, we're and honored. And all of you guys. And all of you guys. All of you guys. Um, so with that, Lenore is going to be back. Daniel's going to be back. We'll have Michael and Eddie back. We'll have Nick back. We'll have everybody back. And one day we'll do a show with all of us or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all be together be awesome. in the same place, and we'll do that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, we will let them know. And I, I want this sooner rather than later. Let's keep the momentum sure. on this going. And, uh, and, and so, Daniel, are you game? Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. And Lenore? Yes, my dear. All right. So I am, Daniel, I am I so game. <laughs> I know. So, Daniel, I have, I have in the chat room, but I want to say it now, it is, it is Veluze Motion Picture uh, Ranch. That is the spelling of Daniel's last name is V-E-L-U-Z-A-T, motionpictureranch.com is, is one of the uh, motion picture ranches. The other is Melody, like the sound, sound Melody, MelodyRanchStudio.com. We've got Yellow Rock Movie Dot com. Both of you guys, or Twitter addresses you want to give out right now? Or uh, for Yellow Rock, yeah. For Yellow Rock, it's, it's always Yellow Rock Movie. So whether it's Facebook or Twitter or the website, it's always YellowRockMovie.com in any of those uh, areas. And you can just reach me through the Yellow Rock information also. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I am so glad that you have both been here. You will be back. Um, you know what? I will um, probably give you both a, a brief call when we're off of the air. Sure. Just if, if Daniel, if you're going to be around, I can call you in your cell or something. If not, we'll do that at another time. Um, and I've got an appointment I've got to get to. So, uh, uh, you know, let's let's go from there, and let the, we'll let the listeners know when you are returning. And um, and I thank you for your time, both of you here. And, Daniel, what a pleasant surprise. I, I'm, I'm so glad that you, uh, you were listening in. Absolutely. Thank you. God bless everyone. You too, Daniel. And, Rex, thank you so much. Uh, it was, it's always an honor and always a wonderful time with you. You truly are special as well, so I thank you. Well, thank you kindly as well, and uh, have a fabulous day. We'll talk, uh, both, all of us will talk very shortly, and, uh, but thank you. 
I, I, I oh, absolutely. I love you guys. Thank you both so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Daniel. All right, Zoe, uh, my fascinating guest today was Lenore Andriel, and surprise guest was Daniel Valuze. Uh, I want to thank you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat, for tuning in. I've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned, and please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and your contacts. Please share the Yellow Rock movie information uh, and, and the Twitter information about my guests today. If you'll tweet and Facebook and use your favorite social media means to reach out and spread the word, that helps my guests, that helps me, it helps uh, emerging filmmakers. My guests, my, li- my sorry, my listeners are seasoned A-list actors, producers, directors. Uh, you know, talent in the industry, all the way down to emerging filmmakers and fans worldwide. Whenever you share, whenever you rate and review the podcast, whenever you do something to help spread the word, uh, other people can find out about the show and and gain uh, valuable insights and benefit from the expertise and know-how that my guests share. So please do that. Um, I would appreciate it. You can become a member. Of, uh, or rather a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook friends page. You're going to want to do that there uh, by clicking the like button. That will tell you who's upcoming. My own website has been kind of hijacked for a while while it's, while it's being revamped and refixed. It's been a long process, and it's too long of a story to get into why it hasn't been launched yet. But um, So uh, you, you find out everything through Facebook, or you look at rexsykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com, that URL, and go to the interviews blog, and you'll see who's coming up. You'll also see all the entire list of archived guests, and you're going to do that. Michael Beckner is coming up next on the 24th. That's this Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, with the Writer Series Episode 4. You are going to want to hear this if you're a producer or a writer or at all in the industry. After that, on the 24, I'm sorry, on the 31st is John T. Tregonis on crowdfunding, whether it's Indiegogo or Kickstarter. You're going to want to listen to how you can more successfully crowdfund your projects. In the meantime, uh, go check out Full Circle on Indiegogo, and we will probably be having a show with them coming up soon. It may be spontaneous, but I will mention it uh, on Facebook and on my site when we do, and Blog Talk Radio, so stay tuned and pay attention. And on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter, Rex Sykes Movie BT, Rex Sykes Movie BT. Also, right there, we'll tell you who is coming up and when. So you do that. Also, go to A Father and Son, A Father and Son, with Michael or Barnard on, um, on, uh, on uh, what am I saying, on Indiegogo as well. So be sure that you check into, uh, a, you know, everybody says goodbye, the story of a father and son. Everybody says goodbye. All right, and I'm going to say goodbye. So everyone have a fabulous day. Make your movies. Complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>